Oh, Lord God, as we worship you today, truly you are worthy of our praise, God. As we come to you to seek you today, God, you are truly worthy. Oh, God, we sing to you. We lift our hearts up to you because you are beautiful, Lord. You are wonderful, and how powerful is your name. God, as we sit before you or stand, God, in your presence, we ask, Lord, that you would bless your word now as we get into it that you would speak to our hearts as you are already ministering to us now. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint this time in your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And if you can grab your Bibles, uh, open them up to Luke chapter 22. Uh, good morning, by the way, everybody. And aloha. We welcome you guys. And you may be thinking, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Is this Wednesday night? That is Wednesday we're going through the book of Luke. And, and it is, and I'm all mixed up. So, no. Um, actually, we are going to be taking a break here from the book of Revelation. Now, as you know, today is our uh, communion Sunday. So hopefully you guys grabbed your elements. If you didn't, you could run and grab them. Or, or perhaps um, uh, one of the guys can grab you one if you need it but uh i you know this week as i began to study for the next section in the book of revelation i had uh really felt led strongly like god was like nope not this week and um what he put on my heart and i really feel the lord has a special word for us today and so we have a special message in luke chapter 20 so we're going to take a break from the book of Revelation, and sorry for you guys who are looking forward to that. Some of you read ahead. Well, you can read it again this week. But today, today, I want you to have your hearts open for what the Lord has. And especially after the message, we're going to be moving into the time of communion and remembering the Lord. And so today... We're going to be in Luke 22, and the title of our message is this, Hope for Times of Failure. Hope for Times of Failure. We're going to be studying uh, verse 31 and verse 32, just two verses, just a, a little snapshot here of when Jesus was with the disciples. And um, it was just really moved on my heart to uh, go over this. You know, as I was thinking about this, I, I came across this story how, you know, nobody likes failure. But sometimes failure gets you your job. And so I came across this story. Uh, it was about the famous actor, movie star, Burnt Lancaster. And before he got famous in that way, he actually worked at, as an acrobat at a circus. But the story goes like this. When he first auditioned, for that job at the circus, he was asked to perform, basically, on these parallel bars. Being a little nervous, he, um, he started his routine, but his timing was off. He spun over the bar and fell flat on his face, like some 10 feet below. Well, he was humiliated, but you know what? That made him immediately get back up, jump back on the bars, and then when he went through his routine and spun around again, he fell on his face and smashed into the ground. Now, Lancaster, the actor, was, uh, as we know him, was bruised and bleeding. His clothes were all torn up, but he was even more determined not to fall. So once again, he leaped up, he got on the bar, started his routine, spun around, and well, in this third try, again, he fell, and this time right on his back. Well, at this point, the interviewer, the interviewer came out, uh, came up to him, picked him up, and said, "Son, if you promise not to do that again, you've got the job." <laughs> I like that. Sometimes, right, failure is success, and like in what we see here, sometimes failure is success in disguise. Well, that's in a way, what we're going to find in our passage today. In just these two verses, not only does God know about our failures ahead of time, God is still there after our failures, and God can take our failures and powerfully, powerfully take those failures 
and use it for his purposes. So there really is hope for times of failure. That's our title here, Hopes for time, Times of Failure. Now we're going to see three things in these two verses here, and this is our outline. Number one is the prophetic word. Number two is the promise of God. And number three, the purpose revealed. So those are the three things we're going to see here. And so let's go to number one here. Number one in our outline, the prophetic word, the prophetic word. We're going to look at Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And in this section, we're going to just cover verse 31. So take a look with me here. Verse 31, Jesus says here, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. So we'll stop right there. We begin here with Jesus talking, and he's, we are here in the upper room. He's saying this in the upper room where he's having the Last Supper. Actually, they've already eaten at this point. At this point, Jesus has already taken the Passover and transformed it into communion in what we are going to do today. This was the moment. This was the, actually the last night of his life, being it that that's why we call the Last Supper. And so with communion, he changed Passover into it. He's teaching the disciples that now this Passover meal, which looked at when God had delivered Israel, right, uh, uh, from Egypt, he's now changed that to when God, Jesus, will die on a cross. And that communion will remember the work of and sacrifice that Christ has done. So after this, Jesus started to give them some instruction. There's some more detail in that. And when we get to this chapter on Wednesday, night, we'll get into that detail. And we've studied it in the other Gospels as we've gone through uh, different Gospels all these years. And in the book of John, there's a lot of detail. But basically, he's been giving instruction to the disciples because he's about to depart. So as we come here into verse 31 and verse 32, Jesus, verse 31 now, comes in to give this prophetic word. This is the prophetic word. And the first thing he says in this, in verse 31, Jesus turns to Peter, focuses in on Peter and says, Simon, Simon. Now, I want to stop right there. You notice Jesus repeated his name. Well, he repeated his name to really grab his attention. He repeated his name to say, look, listen here. Look, Peter, you, you got to listen. Here's something really important. I have this prophetic word for you. So basically he's saying, hey, listen up here. Listen up. And notice Jesus doesn't use his name Peter, which we use all the time. But Jesus calls him his old name, Simon. Now, some time ago, Jesus had changed Simon's name to Peter, right? It means the rock, right? Or small stone. And it was when Peter spoke the truth of God in that Peter it had been revealed to him by the Father. Jesus said that, uh, Peter said that, you are Christ. Yeah, you are the Son of God. So Peter had this revelation. Yeah, you are the Messiah. You are the one. You are the one that was prophesied. And so Jesus said, oh, so we're going to change your name to Peter because upon that rock, upon that truth, and Peter, you're going to be preaching that. You're going to be sharing that. So your name is Peter. But here, in this prophetic word, Jesus says, Simon. Why is that? Well, because Jesus is prophesying that Peter will be challenged by his old self. So Jesus calls him Simon. Jesus knows the ugliness of our old self. Jesus knows that his old self is going to man manifest himself. So, Pete, so Jesus says, Simon, Simon. You see, we know the story. Yeah? We know Peter's overconfidence. We know his reliance on his own strength. We know his pride yeah, of well, I know what to do. I know what should be done. That, that's the old Simon that's going to come out. And that's the old Simon, really, will, that will ultimately fail him. Now, we're not going to cover this today. Uh, later on Wednesday night, we will. But in, in the next two verses, right, Pete, Peter's, Jesus tells him, uh, uh, you know, hey, um, uh, 
uh, in other gospels, you're going to deny me. And, and Peter's like, no way, no way am I going to do that. There's no way. I'm going to be with you all the way to the end. No way. And Jesus predicts, oh, uh, before the cock crows thrice, right, three times, you will deny me. Well, we know the story. We, so Peter's confidence, his overconfidence in what? Himself. We know later in the Garden of Gethsemane, later on, just a few hours later from what we're reading here, they're in the garden and Jesus asks the disciples to pray. And then specifically, he tells Peter, pray, right? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And Jesus comes back after he goes off and prays. And what does he find Peter doing? Sleeping. All the disciples are sleeping. Peter's, his flesh is weak. We know when Judas came to betray Jesus with the authority to arrest Jesus, John tell us, told us that it's Peter who grabbed his sword and started swinging wildly, right? And he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear, which Jesus healed. Here's Peter. I'll take care of you, Jesus. I'm going to take care of the situation in his own way, in his own thought, in what he thinks he should do. And then rightly, he should be protecting Jesus. But it's his own way, his own strength, doing things his own way, his own will. Jesus knows this. So here in our passage in verse 31, Jesus calls to him and says, Simon, Simon, knowing that soon Peter will act out from his old self. That is the old self. That really Peter has been doing, right? We've seen, right, Peter in the Gospels do many things like, oh, oh, Peter, Peter, oh, you know, acting impulsively, yeah? But also he will act like his own self. And, And isn't that the challenge for all of us, right? We're no different than Peter. Isn't that what happens when the test comes, yeah? When those trials come, when the hard times comes, right? When things happen you don't expect, it triggers that old self and we automatically default to reactions, yeah? And things that, oh, we just default to how we have always done things in our own self. The emotions that build that we give into that, that anger, the words, and doesn't it happen over and over again? Jesus knows that. So he doesn't say Peter. Peter to get his attention. He really gets his attention. Says, Simon, Simon, helping him, trying to help him see, hey, something's coming and it's going to trigger something from your old self. So he goes on in verse 41. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold. Now look at this next thing. Satan demanded to have you. Here's this prophetic word. It comes out, Jesus now is telling Peter, Satan has demanded. That word in the Greek is the same thing. Demand is strongly asked to have you. In other words, Satan has targeted you. Satan has taken a personal interest in you. Why is that? Why do you think Satan would take a personal interest in in Peter, in Simon here, Simon Peter? I think it's because he's sort of like the de facto leader of the disciples, right? We've seen in Gospels, he's like the spokesperson, yeah? He's always kind of always up front. Um, We know that the top three guys are Peter, James, and John, right? He took those guys in the transfiguration. But Peter seems to always come up as like the leader, That's why Satan targeted him. I mean, it's like that saying, right? Cut off the head of the snake and the body dies. So Peter is targeted. But I want you to take note something here in verse 31 in this first you, the word you here. In the Greek, it's actually in the plural form. So when Jesus said this, it's like he's including all the disciples in this attack from Satan. In other words, Jesus is saying like, Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you and the other guys too. But Jesus gives this prophetic word to to warn not just Peter, and specifically Peter is going to be addressing him, but to warn all the disciples and especially Peter, the leader of them. 
I mean, think about this, right? Satan knows who to target, correct? I mean, he knows, right? I mean, these are the ones. His Jesus' disciples, right? They are to carry on the work, right? When Jesus is gone. They are his main guys. I mean, it, these guys were tasked to spread the gospel, right? These guys were to carry on after, after Jesus dies and, and rises again. These are the main guys. These are who Jesus been training up. So Satan knows, I got to get to these guys. So when Jesus was arrested, Satan presses hard on them. We know what happened, right? They all ran away. Yeah? They, they, they fled in confusion, in discouragement, fear and doubt feared them. I think Satan just pushed hard on that. Jesus had prophesied in Matthew 26, 31, you will all fall away because of me this night. And that's what happened. You see, Satan's goal is if the disciples give up, yeah, I'm following Jesus, if they defect, if they deny Christ, like he's going to really test and tempt Peter to do, then the disciples, they'll basically disband, disappear, and no one will be left to preach the gospel. To preach the cross. Think about this. Satan had already gotten to Judas, right? Judas, he's totally disappointed with Jesus. Judas put everything in in following Jesus and, and doing everything for Jesus because he really thought Jesus would take over the Romans. And then he got disenchanted with all this. He bailed. He betrayed all of them in Jesus. And so Satan's like, all right, one down. 11 to go. And of course, if Satan takes down Peter, then you know what? The rest of the team will fall easy and fail in this mission. Satan is always on a hunt to look for opportunities to bring disruption, division, to destroy those who serve together, to disband the work of God going on. And so you see why it's so important to pray for your leaders, right? It's so important to pray for your, the pastors, for the church, the leadership there, to those who, who, who lead in spiritual things, to those who are vital, right, to making the work of God go on. And, and you know, I was even thinking about today, even we need to pray for our families, yeah? Because it's within that family, a unit, that Christian parents share Jesus so the next generation would go on. We need to pray for that. Pray for the children. We need to pray for marriages. I have to tell you, in, in the past months, um, my wife and I have been counseling a lot of marriages. There's a lot going on. I, even um, the other week, uh, 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 Mona even shared the same thing. Yeah, it's over here too, favorite Mona guys. Satan is targeting even the marriages to break that up, to, to, to just create chaos all over. The battle is very fierce. So you guys don't forget to pray. I mean, these are incredible words, right? Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you? Oh my gosh. So what does Satan want to do? Well, look at verse 31. That he might sift you like wheat. The prophetic word is Satan demanded, asked for you strongly, that he might sift you like wheat. What does that mean? Well, in ancient times, when they processed the wheat, they would put the wheat like in maybe a shallow bowl or a basket, and then they violently shake it, yeah? So the seeds would bump into each other and break off the shell uh, off of each other, and then they would throw it all up in the air so when the wind came, it would blow the chaff or the the, the shells away and what would fall back down would just be the sheep, seeds. So Jesus is like, hey, this is what Satan wants to do. It was a picture for Peter to see of what he is familiar with in that ancient time and how they processed the wheat. This is what Satan wants to do with you and the, uh, the rest of the guys. Satan wants to shake your life up, throw it up in the air and let it crash down. So really we know what 
the idea here, is the prophetic word from Jesus describes a time of testing was coming like they had never experienced before. Their faith is going to be tested to the limit. Bruce Barton put it this way in his commentary. Satan wanted to crush Simon Peter and the other disciples like grains of wheat. Uh, In this part, I like, he hoped to find only chaff and blow it away. So, the prophetic word was this. Satan had asked for permission to shake up your lives and shatter your faith. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) But this is the prophetic word. This is what Jesus is warning Peter and the disciples Telling him, hey, you guys, you ready? Satan has asked for permission to shake up your lives and shatter your faith. You know what I think about? Isn't this what happened, what we find in the book of Job? Isn't this what happened to him? Satan was given permission to shake up and shatter Job's life. It came in two stages. The first stage, remember, when Satan was allowed to destroy his family and possessions. He lost it all. Secondly, the shattering came when Satan was given permission to mess with Job's health. From head to toe, he got these boils, right? They broke out all over his body. You know what the crazy thing is? That in Job 1.8, we find it was the Lord who boasted to Satan, right? And said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth. He's godly. He keeps the faith. He holds on. Satan's like, well, it's because, you know, of his blessings, of the things that, yeah. All right, well, go ahead and take it away, you know. I always thought, I'm sure if Job heard that, he would say, shh, quiet. God, don't talk about me, right? Don't, don't. Uh, And maybe, maybe perhaps that's what Peter thought when Jesus told him that Satan demanded to sift you like we. Peter thought, and what did you say? I hope you said no, right? But with Job, we know the story. And all that, his faith didn't cave in, right? And all that was brought upon him. When all when his faith was brought to the limit, Job did keep his faith in God and he still trusted God and he still honored the Lord. Remember, Job kept this attitude in what we find in Job chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's Job. How can Job trust God? You ever wonder that? How, how, how can we? Yeah? His life is, sh- is just shaken up. Things are shattered all around him. How can Job still sit there and praise God? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we do that? You know how? Job knew that God is still in control. Somehow. Somehow. Zero in on, on one thing that may help you to understand that, to help you have hope in that God is still in, in control somehow. Zero in on something here that we see in verse 31. We see that Satan had to what? Go to God and demand to have Peter. What does that mean? He had to ask permission, right? He had to go ask God, just like Job. Just like with Job. God only allowed Satan to come in these stages and shake his life up and shatter things all around him. Satan cannot just go and do things on his own. Satan had to go to God and ask first. Hold on to that. What we see here, oh, even though it's a scary thing to hear, Satan demanded to have you, to sift you like we. Satan had to strongly ask first. Have you come in here and you're sifted like wheat right now? Maybe you're connected online and your life is shaken up. Maybe your your faith is, is, is starting to crumble and shatter and, and as Satan comes to attempt to shatter right now, you're like you're just barely holding on. Know this that God is still in control. Satan had to get permission first, right? 
It's very important to hold on to this fact. God is in control. He is sovereign over this. Satan cannot do anything without permission. Satan doesn't operate outside the boundaries established by God. Nothing Satan does to you surprises God. Nothing Satan does will go beyond what God had allowed. And basically, you can say, one commentator uh, I was reading, I was like, wow, this is kind of a weird thought for me. But they were saying, basically, Satan is like a servant to God, doing only what he is permitted to do. This may be hard to understand, even to hold to, even to have hope in. But let me say it this way. When things don't make sense, make sense in the fact that God is still in control and that Satan we see here had to ask first. Hold on to that. Hold on to this and then you can have hope for times of failure. Well, let's go on now to number two. We've seen the prophetic word. Let's go to number two in an outline. The promise of God. The promise of God. We're going to take just the first part of verse 32 in this section. Take a look at it with me. It says, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. We'll stop right there. Jesus now says one of the greatest things that he could ever say to anyone. I'll tell you, this, this, this really encourages my heart and lifts my heart up. Yeah, Satan has asked permission. Yeah, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And we don't see anything written in verse 31 that God said no. Yeah, But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Isn't that great? If there's anyone you want to be praying for you, isn't that Jesus, the Son of God? Jesus, who is tight with the Father. Jesus, he's the one praying for you. You. By the way, the you here is in the singular. And so Jesus focuses in on Peter. But it doesn't mean he doesn't pray for the uh, others. But see, Jesus is speaking directly to Peter here, the head. And Jesus wants Peter to know that Jesus himself is personally praying for him specifically. That's the idea. Though Satan had taken a personal interest in shaking Peter's faith, Jesus will be personally praying for Peter and his faith. And this is the promise of God, you guys. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel so good. It says in Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. We know that in Scripture that even us as believers that Jesus is interceding for us. That He's praying for us. And I believe He's praying for each one of us. He's God. He can. Isn't that comforting to know? I mean, who do you, who would you want to be praying for you? Some people call me, oh, Pastor Rick, pray for me. Yes, I'll pray. Some people text me, pray pray for me. Uh, yes, and I say, yes, I'll pray, and I'll pray, and I'll pray for them. And some people say, pray for me because I know God listens to you. I'm like, no. Right? I mean, there's that idea, oh, the pastor, he's holy, and so, you know, he's closer to God. And yeah, we have that thinking, but anyone can come to the Lord. But think about Jesus, who's close to God. Jesus, who who prays according to the Spirit of God. He prays according to the will of God, right? So out of anyone you want to be praying for, wouldn't you want Jesus to be the one? And I have great news. He is praying for you. He is. And God promises to pray for you, especially when Satan comes to shake you. Hold on to that, you guys. Hold on to that. What does he pray? Well, he says here in verse 32 again, but I have prayed for you. What? That your faith may not fail. The word fail here in the Greek is eklepo. Eklepo. It's where we get our English word eclipse. 
Jesus prays that Peter's faith would not be eclipsed. Yeah? The word means that it would not cease, it would not disappear, that, that it would not go beyond recovery. Jesus prays that all that Satan does will not make Peter walk away from God. We know those, though Peter's courage may fail, Jesus prays that his faith would not. I mean, isn't that Satan's goal? This is Satan's goal, to have your faith in God fail, to cause things in your life, to come in and shake things up, to influence your mind, to string out those emotions, to get you to, to be controlled by them and to them and look at that, all to get you to walk away from God, to get you to stop trying, keep you from, from praying, from reading your Bible, coming to church, to overwhelm you with doubt. Toward God to confuse your mind and God, what are you doing? I, I don't get it. What's happening? To discourage you. Oh, I'm no good. I'm not worthy. To depress you, to bring you into such a depression that you just give up on everything, everyone, and even God Himself. Like the Book of Job, I was thinking about, and I mentioned. I think Satan believed he, if he took away Job's family, his possessions, his health, that Job would turn on the Lord, that Job would never walk with the Lord. But his faith was not eclipsed in the end. Even if that's all he had was God, he held on to that. You know what I like? I like to peek ahead. Jesus prayed right here. I prayed yeah, that your faith will not fail. And if you think about it, what Jesus promised, Jesus did, what Jesus prayed, it did come true. Though Peter, we know the story, did deny Jesus three times, just as Jesus predicted, Peter's faith did not fail. We read what history says in the book of Acts, right? Who rose up? Peter, he's still there. Who preached the first sermon after Pentecost? Peter, 3,000 people got saved. Yeah. Who did God speak to to go and reach the Gentiles, right, with that vision of the sheep and animals? Peter, and he went to Cornelius' house. Peter is still there in the book of Acts, still preaching Jesus, still living for Jesus, and we know all the way to the end, even when he was martyred, he still hung on. To Jesus. Now Peter didn't know though. <laughs> in this moment where we read about, can, can you imagine what it was like for Peter in that moment? Maybe expecting Jesus to say, you know, Jesus said, oh, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. And probably Peter's waiting for it, but I said no. No, but Jesus in essence says, Peter, I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to let Satan sift you. I'm going to let Satan shake you to the very foundation of your life. I'm going to let him, let him toss you into the wind. I'm going to let him test you until there's nothing left. Nothing but the reality of your faith. I'm going to allow Satan to, to bring you to the very brink, but I will not allow your faith to fail. It's like Jesus saying, not on my watch. You will survive this. It will not be fatal. So do you see this promise of God here? Even though Peter would fail miserably, Jesus knew that, Jesus prayed for Peter's faith to never be overthrown. Never. That very foundation in Peter's life, his faith, that that core part of Peter Satan will not be able to take down it will be protected even though Peter would fail miserably Jesus prayed for Peter's faith to never be overthrown I shared this quote many times it's by Corey Ten Boom uh, where she says you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all 
you have. Right? Some of you have been through extreme trials and extreme testing. You know what that means. Perhaps that's what God is allowing today from the attack of Satan, from the time of testing for us to be stripped down of things that we've been relying upon, that we've been doing in our own strength, our own means, even our own way of thinking, whether it's good or or, or bad or, or, or all. You know what happens though? When those attacks comes, when the testing comes, when we see the ugliness of our old self come out, when everything we think, we know and do and have comes crumbling down in failure, what do you have left? Jesus. And we see our need for Jesus. We see that's what matters, our faith in Jesus. Have you failed? Maybe you're sitting here tonight, maybe uh, today, maybe you're connected online right now or you're listening in right now and and you are you are just burdened right now with guilt, regret because of your failure. Your life's been shaken and shattered and and you feel like you've been stripped of everything. Just remember, Jesus hasn't forgotten you. Jesus is still there. Jesus is praying for you. And perhaps this is the time to come to the place and say, Jesus, it's you that I really need in my life. It's you that I've been neglecting. It's you that I have been pushing away when it's you I should have been embracing totally. This is the hope for times of failure. All right, we see the prophetic word. We see the promise of God that Jesus is going to pray. And our last heading here is the purpose revealed. The purpose revealed. And this is the last part of verse 32. So after Jesus says, I pray for you that your faith may not fail, then he says this in verse 32. Take a look. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Here Peter is told why Satan was given permission to sift him like wheat. Jesus said, and when. Underline when. It's not if, right? Why? Because Jesus prayed that his faith would not fail. It's not going to end in this fatality of his faith. No. When. Not if. When. When. Yeah. You turn again. He says here, and when you have turned again, turn again means to turn back, to turn around, to come back. In other words, Jesus is saying, even after you failed, or after you failed, and when you turn back now, when you return, when, even after falling in temptation, but you repent and turn to me again, you know what? Strengthen your brothers. So we'll get into that strength in your brothers in a moment. But take note, right? We see failure is not the end. God is not defeated by Peter's failure. And let me tell you, God's purpose and plan in your life is not defeated by the failures in your life, by the mistakes that you've made, by the wrong choices you've done. Understand that. That doesn't defeat God. No, God's just going to take that and use it for His glory. He's going to take all things, right, and work them together for His good. So understand that. When we read here, uh, and when you will turn again, when you turn again, that it's going to draw us back to God. So Jesus says, look, there's life after failure. And when that life comes... Go out and strengthen your brothers. Brothers, Strengthen means set, establish, pick up, uh, encourage your fellow brethren. In other words, in the providence of God, the, the testings I have for you, it's for a purpose. 
And so when you turn back, when that happens, when you come back, when you see that all you need is me, you know what? Go strengthen your brothers in the same way of what you learn. That's what Jesus is saying. What a God allowed Satan to do will actually, you know what? Open the door to what Peter is to do on the other side of these testings. This is the purpose revealed our heading. See, Jesus calls to, to Peter, right? Simon, Simon, you're targeted by Satan. You will be tested. You'll be sifted. You'll be shaken. You'll be stripped, really, through this process of your old self. And on the other side, you will emerge as Peter, the rock. You will be changed and equipped, you know what, to help others. Because once you go through it, you're going to understand what these testings are. You're going to understand about attacks of Satan and, and when Satan shakes you. And then you will help others get through just as you have. God certainly did what he promised, what he uh, uh, actually called Peter to do, the purpose yeah, that he set in all of this. I mean, I encourage you guys, take, take some time this week. Read the book of First Peter. Read the book of First Peter. You know what the theme is? Our theme when we studied that years ago is the hope for hard times. Peter wrote about what to do in these times of attacks and trials and testings. I encourage you, read First Peter this week. Peter writes from his deep experience. He, he definitely understands what trials and testings are all about. Listen to what he wrote in First Peter chapter 1. Verse 6 through 7. This is in the NLT translation. He wrote, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Can you hear that? In what Jesus is telling him here in our passage, to what now he's writing in 1 Peter? Or how about this? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. Again, this is the NLT version. He writes this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He writes, stand firm against him. Be strong in what? Your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So, after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. Do you think Peter learned something through this? I think so. You think what Jesus prayed, yeah, it came true? Yes. You think the purpose that God had planned? Do you think that happened? Yes. So the purpose revealed by Jesus, and this is our last point, God allowed all this so that Peter would emerge stronger on the other side and only then, I write, be able to truly strengthen others. He had to go through this for his ministry on the other side. He had to go through this so that in our Bibles today, we have First Peter and it can speak to our hearts and we know how to get through those times of testing and even when, and Peter testifies, when we fail God, even in failure, even if it's over and over again failure, there's a there's another side to that. There's a other side to that. God allowed all this so that Peter would emerge stronger on the other side and only then be able to truly strengthen others. Do you understand? Are you being tested? Are you are you looking at your failures today? Is it is it like stopping you in your tracks and and, and pulling at your faith? 
understand there's a purpose here. God is sovereign. Only uh, Satan has to ask permission. God only allows it. But it's because he has this plan, because he has this purpose here. Perhaps what we're talking about is a prophetic word. Perhaps there's something coming around the corner for you. Understand what we're seeing here. Hold on to this. Write it down. Make a mark. So when you go to you can turn to this and go, Okay, Lord, I'm going to keep the faith. Maybe you're going through that time. Maybe, maybe you've come in here broken, beaten, bashed. You failed again and again and again. But hold on to that. God is in control. And he has a purpose in this. He's working a plan. And he's stripping you of you, of yourself. Someone once said, when I try, I fail. When I trust, God succeeds. I like that. So what we're learning today, right? Your failures are not fatal. So here, here's the thing to do. Don't focus in on your failures. And I... This speaks to me. I'm number one in that. Yeah, I am number one in that. I, I, I have certain standards and things that in my whole life, you know, and how things should be and how I should be and you know, all, all that. When I feel, oh man, I am just, I'm floored. I'm, I, I, I feel shame. I feel like, I, I, oh, how can I go on, Lord? I failed you. I failed people. I failed my family. I failed my kids. But God does not want us to focus in on the failures. Don't let the past failures define who you are today. Jesus has made you into a new creation. Understand that God is doing a work in you. Yeah. And he has a purpose in all of this. Satan comes and he attacks, he beats us up, he shakes us, he shatters things all around us. And you know what? He also comes and wants us to focus in on our failures. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Screwtape Letters. It was, it was a kind of a satire about Satan training one of his demons. And in one part of the book, Satan tells his protege, get Christians preoccupied with their failures. From there, the battle is won. We don't want him to win here. No, we don't. Too many of us are living in the agony of defeat and failure, burdened by that guilt, burdened by our sins. And we're paralyzed to do anything. And that's exactly where Satan wants to keep you. But you know what? God loves you. God has brought you here. God has connected you online because he loves you and he wants to tell you Jesus died for your sins so you can be forgiven so that he can pick you up and get you on your way again. And all the testings and the trial and allowing Satan to attack, it's only to grow you. So know that even in our failures, God is greater than them. And he has a plan way out of it. A way out of it. I want to close with this, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. But many years ago, a 22-year-old man lost his job as a clerk in a store. Later, he started a business with his partner, but that business failed. A year later, he fell madly in love with a beautiful girl, dated her for four years, and, and with the promise of a great future ahead in his mind, that relationship broke up and failed when she left him. Later, another girl came into his life. He thought this was one, but unfortunately, she died, got sick and died. He did eventually get married, but he ended up losing three of his four sons when they died of different sicknesses. At the age of 37, on his third attempt, he was elected to the state legislature, but then lost the seat two years later. At age 40, he was passed over for a political position uh, by appointment. And then, you know, after all that, he had a nervous breakdown. At 45, he was defeated uh, for the U.S. Senate, a, a seat in the U.S. Senate. 47, he was defeated for vice president. At 49, he was defeated again for Senate. And it seemed like his life was just filled with failure after failure after failure. But 
At age 51, he finally came to what God destined him to be. Despite all the track record of failures, he was elected as the 16th president of the United States. You know who this is? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. This is his journey of Abraham Lincoln, who became one of the nation's greatest presidents. I, I, I kind of want, I don't know, but I kind of wonder, I wonder if all that he went through, yeah, sort of helped him to grow, yeah, to become that person that he became, as we know, as President Abraham Lincoln. So don't give up in all your fails, failures. Don't write yourself off. Because in some way, somehow, know this, even in your failure, God can use it for his glory. So learn this today, that in Jesus Christ, we can still have hope for times of failure. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, as we come before you, Lord, many of us come in here battered, beaten, broken, Lord. We've, we really literally drug our, we drag ourselves into this place. We, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. But God, you've given us help that it's you we go to. It's you that has a plan. Have, you have a plan for us, God. That you have a purpose in all of this. And what you allow, God, is your will. And that we know it will only bring about, in the end, good for us and glory for you. God, we don't like it. I hate trials. I hate the testings. And I really am ashamed of my failures and choices and the times I've given into the flesh and my emotions. But God, I know that many of these trials and testings is because you want to heal us, God. And you want to free us, Lord. And you want to grow us and mature us. God, I thank you. That we are reassured here, even in our passage, that even in the failures, you don't leave, God. You're still with us. And even when, God, we uh, are barely hanging on to our faith, God, you don't pull that, Lord, but you strengthen our faith. So, Lord, I pray for your healing touch upon us right now, God. I pray for your forgiveness, Lord, to come upon us. And I pray, God, that... We would all, right now, every one of us, Lord, turn our hearts to you. Turn back, God. Lay aside our pride. Lay aside those differences. Lay aside things that cause division, Lord. Lay aside and just come simply to you to be healed, to be forgiven, to be strengthened, Lord. That you would open our eyes up to the truths that we have studied today. And as we move, God, into this time of communion, may we remember it's all because you died on a cross for us. It's all because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, at this time, we're going to move into communion. And uh, you can grab your elements, that package. And if you want to peel just a clear top layer, and you can expose the, the wafer or the bread, I'm going to say, uh, we'll, we'll do the, the, the juice in a moment, but just get this ready. And as uh, we take time to just worship the Lord right now, as we worship, just meditate and think about what God has been telling you today in His Word. And as you come before the Lord, turn back, go back. Offer your life and heart to Him. So let's worship Him. Are you hurting, broken, thin, overwhelmed by the weight of sin? Jesus is calling. 
Have you come to the end of self? Do you thirst for drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life before. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior is in He down before Him, for He is Lord of all. Sing Alleluia, Christ is risen. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't He Bear 
your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. In Matthew chapter 26, at the Last Supper here, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. We hold in our hands the bread which represents Christ's body that was broken for us. When I took mine out, it actually broke. But I was thinking about how Jesus was broken for us so he can help broken people. Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus wants to, to free you of your sins. And Jesus wants to save you. He is our Savior. You know, He wants to save us from ourselves. Yeah. I'm my worst enemy. Not so much Satan, He is, but it's me. So as we partake of the bread, I'm going to pray in a moment. Let us remember that, that His body was broken because he saves broken people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we hold the bread in our hands, God, we remember that you sacrificed your body for us, that you gave yourself so that we can be saved, that you hung on the cross, Lord, that you took all the pain and suffering, the shame, Lord, the false accusations, everything, God. You did not say a word, Lord, because... You were doing it for us. And so, Lord, here we see your love. God, that you would do it for me. Lord, I'm amazed with that. God, I'm just a broken person. Yet, your body was broken for me. So, God, we honor you right now. And as we partake of the bread, at the same time, we offer up our broken body, Lord. Our broken life, God, as you have done for us. Thank you for dying on the cross and sacrificing yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.